When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kick it! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, who's the next team you want to talk about in our preview series? Wake Forest. We got Robert Reinhardt on, of course, from SB Nation's blogger So Dear. He's been on this podcast multiple times now at this point, helping us preview Wake Forest. Robert, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Just, you know, the season's about a, a month away from today, I think. So it's always a good feeling when uh, when football's back in the air and training camp's about to begin. The Steeman Deeks are one of our favorite programs here on the podcast. No, no uh, sarcasm or anything in there. Like, love them. You know, they are fun to watch. It is, it is really fun watching what Dave Clawson's been able to build there the last few years. So we want to talk about Last year, we were looking at their schedule coming into the year. We were not really sure how they were going to fare against a tough-looking schedule, and they actually pulled out a strong 8-5 and five finish, um, kind of another testament to what Dave Clawson has been able to build there uh, at Wake Forest. And so coming into 2018, Robert, this is what we want to talk about is, is kind of how the program's looking coming in. The biggest storyline, I think, Opt for you know pretty clearly coming into Wake Forest 2018 season is going to be the quarterback situation. Uh, John Walford leaving after last year he graduated. He was a two or three year starter. I can't remember, but he took a massive leap from 2016 into 2017. Uh, was really a, a major driver of that offense improving where it did last year. Having to replace him, uh, I know we've talked in the past about Kendall Hinton potentially getting some snaps and such. Is he the incumbent guy? And if not, what are the other quarterbacks we're looking at in the quarterback group for Wake Forest? Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting uh, when you when you talk about Wolford. I mean, he was a guy who going into last season, he wasn't even the projected starter going into camp. Kendall Hinton actually was, but Wolford had such a phenomenal August in terms of practices and, and scrimmages that that he won it out. And obviously he proved uh, why why he won that out based on his outstanding performance. Um, during the 2017 season, I think Wake Forest was second in uh, S&P plus passing. So uh, outstanding there. But, you know, going into this season, uh, all eyes were on Kendall Hinton. He had, you know, split reps with uh, with, with Wolford in previous years, uh, but, you know, had even won the job but lost it out due to injury. But uh, he was actually suspended for the first three games of the year due to a violation of team rules. Uh, so he will miss the Tulane game, the Towson game, and a, and a big Thursday night home game against against BC. So, um, you know, that that throws a lot more question marks into the air. I think the first person you would look at would be would be Jamie Newman. He's a redshirt sophomore. Um, was was fairly highly touted by by Wake standards. Was in the 
uh, the Elite 11 semifinals or, or something like that. Um, had a nice spring game, nine out of 13 for 128 yards. And then uh, the other alternative there would be would be Sam Hartman. He's a he's a true freshman, uh, but was another you know high three star guy coming out of high school. He he was an early enroll, enrollee, so participated in the spring game, participated in spring practice, and you know that's a guy who with with the new redshirt rules. Um, it could be a benefit to Wake Forest. Clawson may say, hey, I think he's the best guy to play games uh, one through four, but I wouldn't necessarily want to burn a full year if I'm getting hit and back from a suspension and not an injury. Um, so he's a guy who could potentially, I don't know if he will, but he could start the first three games, you slide in him, and then you move Hartman down to the, to the third spot and have Newman as, as, the, um, as the backup for the remainder of the season. Um, so I, I, I do think Newman will win it just based on having his experience um, in, in the system, but you know, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I think we'll get to see a little bit of, of how much is John Wolford versus how much are, are, is the talent around him? Because again, going into last year, fans, uh, you know, they weren't necessarily thrilled with Wolford. He had more interceptions and touchdowns. He took a lot of sacks and stuff to say how much of that was his fault, but we have we return our entire offensive line, which, you know, should be one of the best in the ACC. Uh, we return a number of really talented skill position players and Greg Dorch. I know we'll talk about that later. And then also a solid running game with Matt Colburn, Kate Carney, and then uh, newcomer Christian Beal. So uh, a lot of talent around the quarterback. And I, so I think it's a situation where you don't have to ask the person to do but so much. Um, just just sort of manage the offense and and just, just don't make mistakes and be smart. But definitely um, – a, a major, major storyline for Wake Forest fans to watch this year. Yeah, look no further than the Blogger So Dear Twitter account that's affectionately named Blogger So Dorch. Um, yes. <laughs> we know how important uh, Greg Dorch is to the Wake Forest offense. He's back. You know, talk about that because, you know, obviously the impact that he had the early part of last year before he got hurt. You have him, you have the other playmakers on offense. Uh, talk a little bit about that and and what kind of impact these guys can have around whoever the quarterback ends up being, you know, before Kendall Hinton returns and then when Kendall Hinton returns. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dorch is is, is absolutely dynamic. He was only recruited but so much out of high school, but he camped with Wake and a, a great job by the staff in terms of evaluating him. 53 receptions, 722 yards, nine touchdowns in just eight games last year. I think he had four against Louisville alone. Um, absolutely torched that defense. Uh, Would have love to have seen the numbers he would have put up throughout the course of the year and you know he's definitely a player where again if, if you throw a five-yard slant route he can he can make guys miss and he can get another 10 to 15 yards after the catch um and, and really create a lot of dynamic plays make guys miss in space also has the opportunity to help us out both the punt return and and the kick return game so really excited about greg dorch uh also another you know, major guy to watch is, is Scotty Washington, uh, 6'5", really came to his own towards the end of last season, 45 receptions, uh, over 700 yards, three touchdowns, had an outstanding bowl game against Texas A&M, could be a really nice red zone threat for us. Um, and then, you know, in the backfield, Matt Colburn, good senior, seven touchdowns last year, 900 yards, five and a half yards of carry. Um, and then, you know, Alex Bachman, a, you know, a pretty surefire possession receiver, um, so I, I, th I think we have really nice balance, balance on offense in, in terms of the offensive line and all the skill position players. So I'm definitely excited to see what this offense can produce in 2018. Robert, one of the things that I thought was in particular kind of unexpected, maybe we'll say about the 2017 team 
The 2016 Wake Forest team, their their calling card was their defense. Um, they were under the direction of Mike Elko. He he kind of made a name for himself as a coordinator. He'd worked with Dave Clawson for a long time, coming from Bowling Green and even before that. Um, and, and before the 2017 season, he got hired away by Notre, Notre Dame. Um, he coached 2017 at Notre Dame, has now gone on to Texas A&M. He'll be there this fall um, making roughly – Texas dollars to be um, Texas A&M's defensive coordinator. But the long and short of it is in 2017, Wake Forest defense without Mike Elko's direction kind of fell off a cliff. Like you mentioned, Wake Forest was a like a top 25 defense in 2016. And if, if I recall correctly, there wasn't massive personnel turnover going into 2017. And they fell to a about a very middle of the pack across all of FBS. I think they were 65th in S&P+. Plus. Uh, last year, is there is there a lot of good reason to think that Wake Forest is going to rebound on defense this year, uh, or is it going to be another season kind of similar to 2017, where the Demon Deacons are going to have to win a lot of games by outscoring people more so than uh, you know getting st- solid defensive outputs? Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, I, you know, you would never think you would go into a, a a season's thinking, you know, Wake's going to have to rely on its offense to win, but that, that that's exactly what happened last year, and that looks like what's what what's going to happen again this year. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, 65th S and P plus, and we lose um, a, a former freshman All American safety in Jesse Bates, who was a second round draft pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, major playmaker, uh, also a, a six round draft pick, pass rusher, and, and Duke Edgefor, along with a number of our starting linebackers. So. Uh, definitely a, a lot to replace. I think we have some some talent in the secondary for sure, especially at corners, Hassan Bassey and Mari Henderson, and then uh, Cameron Glenn at safety, and then uh, some interesting defensive linemen. I think we have some some question marks about our depth on the defensive line. Uh, I think Justin Stranod could be a nice linebacker for us, but but definitely questions about um, how we step up there. So, you know, I could I could see it doing a little bit worse. Um, I felt like we gave up a few too many big plays last year so you know I'm, I'm hopeful last year was mostly uh, just you know time getting acclimated to the new scheme and I think with you know Jay Solvell's second year in his system I think we should we should be better or at least about the same um, you know he was pretty highly regarded coming out of Minnesota and he has some um, some pretty good metrics as a coach um, tends to be a very good um teacher of, of secondary players and a number of those guys drafted to the NFL. So, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think it's encouraging what could happen, but uh, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that we're, you know, we're missing Elko and, and he's a, he's a Supreme talent as a defensive mind as made evident by Notre Dame while well, hiring him away and then Texas a and giving him, you know, however much oil he wants to, to go down. <laughs> to go down there. A lot of money. All those, all those uh, oil rigs out there. Yep. Uh, one more question on the defense, Robert, is the, is the defense struggled last year? Did you get the impression that that was more a scheme issue or more a, what we'll call a talent issue of guys losing one-on-one battles? I, you know, I felt like it was talent, talent a little bit. And I think part of it's I, I, honestly, part of the problem might've been, I don't, I don't want to say the offense, but, um, you know, it was different getting adjusted to going with a fast paced offense and, and, and the beauty of an up tempo offense is you you can get the other defense off kilter but if you do have a three and out then all of a sudden uh your defense has to go right back out there so i don't don't know if i have the you know the numbers to back it up but i think as a defense you do have to get used to your own offense's tempo and and that was another change for for the defense as well so 
maybe that's another adjustment they're able to make headed into the 2018 season. I think something I'll definitely be following this year. Something we've been doing here, Robert, as part of our preview series is talk about new names to know um, on each side of the football. So I'll start with a new name to know on offense that we should all be aware of heading to the year for Wake Forest. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, Sage Surratt is a guy who, who's gotten a lot. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he, he's gotten a lot of publicity from um, from D- from Dave Clawson at, you know, ACC media days and things like that. And Clawson isn't one to just, just give out praise and he had – you know, six receptions for about 100 yards in the spring game. Talented kid, uh, a really great athlete. In his senior year, uh, he was the North Carolina High School Player of the Year in both football and and basketball. So I think he had something like 2,000 reception yards and and a whole lot of touchdowns his senior year. So uh, he might get a little bit buried on the on the depth chart, but but I, I think when he gets his opportunity, he'll definitely. Um, you know, shine and I'll, I'll cheat a little bit and name another one on offense. And I'll say Christian Beal um, could be a, you know, a really nice player for us, more of an all purpose back with, with nice hands coming out of the backfield. So I, I think he could be a really nice option as well. A lot of low key, really good backs. Turn it around. And uh, what's a, it's a new name that we should know on defense. And I would say it doesn't have to be a freshman necessarily. It could be just somebody that wasn't a starter last year who, who might make an impact this year. Sure. I think uh, somebody like, like Justin Stranod. Now I think he'll get an opportunity to, to uh, be a starter at linebacker. He's a, he's a really good athlete. So I think he, he's probably more of the type of linebacker I, I would like to see moving forward, somebody who can help in pass coverage but also pass rush. I feel like that's been a little bit of a weakness of our linebackers. Um, like last year, I thought maybe, you know, they were good tacklers, but uh, against some of the offenses, I, I think that probably led to some of the problems that we saw last year. But I, I think he, he's got great range, and I think he had something like 60 tackles last year despite not starting. So um, he had you know, a really nice interception against Syracuse. I, I, I would look for him to, uh, to make a lot of plays this year for the Deacons on defense. We got to ask the natural question here, Robert, with how good Wake Forest has been and how far they've come in the last five years. This is year number five uh, for Dave Clawson. He's never stayed at a program longer than five years. He's certainly entertained other coaching opportunities. He's been thought very highly of because of the turnaround at Wake Forest. What do you think the longevity is for Clawson? Um, Do you think he stays at Wake Forest for the long haul? Do you think he's primed for another for, for another offer, maybe at a big time program. Do you think he's a big time program coach? Like tackle all of that for us because there's a lot there. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly, um, he's moved around a little bit, but I think they've all been strategic, uh, strategic and, you know, pretty large steps up. He, he turned around Fordham, then he went to Richmond and then Bowling Green and, uh, you know, brief, Pretty soon at Tennessee, but but now at Wake Forest. So those are all uh, major steps, and and you know he's gotten Wake Forest to the point where um, there are definitely better programs out there, no doubt about it. Places where he could win or he could earn more money, places where he could win more games, but places that would also uh, come come with more pressure and and, and fan scrutiny. So um, you know I don't I don't know if a school like um, you know, Florida State or something. Obviously, they just made a new hire, but I don't. I don't know if a program like that uh, would, would necessarily look to hire Clawson. Those those programs seem to hire guys that are already at 
top 10 programs, either either as coordinators or honestly, even some of them as, as head coaches, if you look at an Urban Meyer going from a Florida and elite program to Ohio State and an even stronger one. Um, you know, I, you know, I've I've heard he's interested in the NFL um, just in general. I not saying he's looking at any NFL jobs, but I, I've, I've heard, you know, that's sort of a, a true dream for him. Um, I, I feel like he would do a, a good job pretty much anywhere. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have him. I think again, he's gotten to the point where Wake Forest can be a, a really nice job. He, he seems to, um, jive really well with the culture. He, he went to Williams, a top liberal arts school. So I think he gets the component of, of community and, and education. And, and I think he really, um, knows how to recruit the right kids for, for our program. And, and not to say that other schools, you know, right way is, is it is it wrong or anything like that it's just I, I think he really knows a formula for success at wake forest and i think he really loves how much he's been embraced by by our fan base and and by the administration the administration has you know helped and the donors have helped given him a a brand new indoor football facility we have a new sports performance facility that's going to be finished within the next next uh, six to seven months so we're definitely putting the resources in um, to, to help him out and, and help the program grow. So I, I don't know exactly how much longer he would stay, um, you know, in, in my heart, you know, he'll, he'll stay for another five plus years. And, and I hope he, hope he does. Cause, um, you know, no matter how much he's, you know, succeeded here and everywhere else, he still has a, a chip on his shoulder and he's, 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 you know, a feisty and an angry guy. And I, I love that about him. He, he's a true builder and, and a class act, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if if Wake has a new head coach next year or two or three years from now. But but what I will say is that um, what Clawson has done for this program is, uh, you know, I, I can't really describe just in, in words what it means to me as a as a Wake Forest fan, as an alum for the community, and 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 I know this because of what he has done. Um, Wake will be a much more attractive job for whoever we are looking to hire next because, you know, what he has done is sustainable. If you look at the recruiting classes improving every year, the facilities that are being built, the number of kids with other Power 5 offers, you know, the depth that we have on this team, uh, it's going to be an attractive job for people. And it's not just going to be a job where um, they're, they're set up to draw and moving forward because they don't have a chance to succeed. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope I'm I don't know if we'll be doing podcasts in 2028, but I hope Dave Clawson's on the sidelines in, in Winston-Salem and, and we're previewing another good team. So uh, that, that's sort of what I have to say about him. I, I think it really speaks to his ability. You know, what he's what he's been able to do at Wake Forest without totally blowing recruiting out of the water. You know, they're, it's not like they, they went from, you know, 60s and 70s ranking in recruiting to like 20s and 30s. You know, it's, it hasn't blown it out of the water. And yet the fact that they've had the success that they had, like, like you're saying, Robert, I think speaks to his ability to scheme, to build a community, to get buy-in, to build something that is uh, replicable. We'll say, you know, that another coach could come in and pick up and, and keep moving with. So I think it's definitely very, uh, a very positive thing that it speaks to his ability to build a program there at, at Wake Forest, where traditionally it has not been a super easy place to build this season in our, our previous series. If we want to, basically take the 12 games on the schedule and we want to divide them up among surefire wins, surefire losses, and maybe more of the toss-up variety. 
And maybe the easiest thing to do to start out with is to look and see if there's anything on the schedule that you look at and just think, man, that is that is a surefire loss. Like that that isn't happening. Well, uh, fortunately, you know, not as many in this category as, as in years past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be homer and say we don't have any surefire losses. Um, even though we're playing them at home, it, it's tough to imagine beating clubs. I mean, they're just – they are just ridiculously talented at, at all positions. I mean, I don't think a player on – that's the thing. You know, you guys know this, but but not everybody following college sports know this. There's not a player on Wake Forest roster who had a, a Clemson offer. So, you know, that's not to say guys like Greg Dorch couldn't make their team and, and play big minutes now. But, you know, they didn't have those offers coming, coming out of high school. So, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty much a surefire loss. They're just they're just so good. And, you know, it's it's not a criticism of our of our team or of our program to say that's not that's not a surefire loss. I mean, they're they're a likely candidate to get back to um, the college football playoff yet yet again. I mean, it, it you know, their fans can pretty much um, I, I don't know where the college football playoff is this year, but their fans can pretty much start booking you know tickets and, and, and making hotel reservations early because that's just. Um, that's where Dabo has this program right now. And he is, you know, and I know they're always, their fans always thought they had a, a great program and you know what, they, they were right. They were, they weren't getting to where they could have been, but, but Dabo has them there. He's doing a phenomenal job with that team. Robert, we were talking, we were just talking to Cam Underwood from state of the U uh, when we did our Miami preview and, you know, we kind of went through the schedule with him and we talked about the hurricanes and how talented they are compared to the rest of the coastal division. And even looking at Miami stacking against, uh, stacking up against a team like Clemson, like you just mentioned, with how talented Clemson is, it doesn't feel like Clemson can really lose to anybody they play. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens in the college football playoff. But to call Clemson a surefire loss, I think, is a pretty safe thing to say, even though they have, you know, been bitten by the upset bug here last couple seasons with, of course, Syracuse last year, Pitt two years ago in the national championship season. But this Clemson team, I'm not sure we've seen a team this talented in a long, long time. Yeah, I think, you know, I know they're all true freshmen, but I think I saw something like they have they had the top recruit in six states or something like that. And these these are really good football states. So uh, they're being out some really good programs for these kids. So, yeah, it's just I'm, and how Dabo convinced those defensive linemen to come back and turn down those, those millions from the NFL. I, I will I will never know. I guess they like the slide down there. I don't, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, we for can start. We, we can start conspiracy theories on this podcast, Joey. We can just say that Clemson's paying players. You know? Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 It's yeah. not reporting. It's saying it out loud. That's what I learned yeah, from Barstool exactly. Sports. Yeah, <laughs> not reporting. I, too, started listening to that podcast today. I was going to bring up, too, that S&P Plus, uh, they, they have you know win percentages for all the games that every team is matched up against. And Clemson has two games on the schedule that they're given less than an 80% chance of winning by S&P Plus. Which is filthy, filthy, filthy. But that's enough about Clemson on a Wake Forest podcast. So that's Clemson. So we're going to call that a surefire loss. So, Robert, are we calling home against Notre Dame on September 22nd and on the road at Florida State in late October both toss-up games? Um, I, I hate to say it depends on your definition of toss-up. I mean, I, I wouldn't call those surefire losses. I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, they'll be – touchdown favorites or something like that. I mean, I, I think we got a decent shot at Notre Dame, though, the, again, the quarterback, uh, you know, if, if that's Hinton's first game back or something like that, that adds a few complexities to it. But at FSU, we get that one coming off of a bye week. 
Um, you never know. We, we've, we've played them tough. We sort of blew a chance to, to beat them at home last year. So, um, you know, we'll see where Taggart has them. But I, I, I would say those are likely losses, but I wouldn't say they're surefire losses if, if I can, you know, manipulate your, your own grading system on your, your show. I'll allow it. All right. All right. Um, I actually wouldn't call Notre Dame a surefire loss either. Uh, the fact that Wake Forest gets the game at home, they're actually pretty competitive with Notre Dame last year. I know Notre Dame got out to a huge lead, but Wolford kept them in it basically single-handedly in South Bend. Um, now, you don't have Wolford this year, so I don't know what kind of difference that makes. We'll, we'll all find out together. Um, but I wouldn't call that necessarily a surefire loss either because you get the game at home. Um, I don't know what Florida State's going to be. I think Florida State would be close to a surefire loss, but I don't, uh, again, we're going to find out a lot about Florida State. Who's the quarterback going to be? Is it going to be Francois or is it going to be James Blackman, who apparently is the, the betting favorite in Vegas? Uh, Joey and I touched on that on a podcast last week, uh, and, and we'll see what they got with the new coaching staff. But on the road to Florida State, I think would be tough. So I'd say two surefire losses, Joey. I'll, I'll say Clemson and on the road at Florida State. Those will be my two. I think I'm good with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a slight chance against Notre Dame again, being a home game, and Lord knows what we're ever gonna get in Notre Dame, you know, in any given year. But I think that I think if we said that Wake Forest, there's no way they go any better than ten and two. I think I think everybody's gonna agree to that. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue with that. Yeah, ten, <laughs> ten, ten and two, they'll they'll be lighting Winston Salem on fire. Yeah. Um, now Dave Clawson would leave if we went ten and two because yeah. those were <laughs> yes. some. Yeah, Battery's back in the Brinks truck up, and uh, we're, we're taking out some serious loans to pay for them with the endowments coming out. I don't know what's working on there. Well, that's what you got to balance. You can't do too well because then the coach gets known and gets hired elsewhere, and you want to keep them. So you got to, you know, you got to kind of manage how much success you're having in any given year. Yeah, if we're, if we're getting a little, little too cute with it, let's just go nine and three. You know, let's just let's call it even. Sure. Surefire wins, Robert. I'm seeing Towson. Rice, I I feel really good about home at Syrac home against Syracuse. Is is that it? I'm yeah, intentionally I mean, leaving one of them off. I've got an opinion on that game. Yeah, I mean I I yeah in terms of surefire, I definitely agree with you on on Towson and Rice and it, you know I I like our chances definitely at home against Cuse. You know maybe this is a hot take. I'm, I'm not sure Babers is is all that. Uh, I think he's really benefited from uh, – honestly, he benefited a lot from the program that Clawson built, and then he kind of just maintained it, and then program tanked after after he left. So I'm not sure what he can do is is that sustainable. Um, and, and they Syracuse has is, is really fallen off in the second half of seasons from, uh, the, from the Bill C. article that I read. So, you know, I like our chances there. I think, you know, Pitt – I won't call Pitt a surefire win, but, you know, I, th- I think we have a lot that are, you know, pretty decent chances – uh, but in terms of surefire, yeah, I would probably stop it at, at Towson and, and Rice. I mean, those are the only two I would be shocked if we if we lost those games. Joey, I'm going with Towson, Rice, Syracuse. I, I don't think Syracuse is going to be good. And Joey, I'm going to throw another one out here for you. And this this is a surefire win that might not actually be a surefire win, but I think Louisville is going to be really bad. Like, I don't think Louisville is going to be that good. Uh, I get it's on the road. It's crazy to call a road game a surefire win, especially with the with a team that does recruit decent talent at Louisville. Um, you know, Petrino's done an okay job recruiting since he got back for the second stint. I don't want to call it a surefire win. I feel really, really good about waking that game though. 
I, I'm with you on that. I like Wake's chances there. I, I'm I'm not going to call it a surefire win. Again, I'm with you. Like Louisville has a talent advantage in that game, um, and they're at home for what that's worth. But if you ask me at that point in the season, who's going to be the better coach team and who am I going to feel better about? Probably Wake Forest, frankly, <laughs> as a Louisville fan. I, I'm not not all that high on them. Robert, I, so the thing is that that puts us at three and two with seven toss-up games. And the, the game that we haven't mentioned yet is the opening game on the road at Tulane. I don't know if you're with me, but I personally am of the opinion that that is a low-key kind of dangerous game. That <laughs> Tulane, especially in New Orleans in friggin' September, where it's going to be about a million degrees outside, that could be kind of a somewhat dangerous spot for the Steaming Deeks to start the year. Unfortunately, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I think we're about seven, seven and a half point favorite or something in that one, though. I don't know if that line that line probably came out prior to the, the Hinton news. And, and, you know, we played Tulane to open the 2016 season at home and we beat them like seven to three or something. Now um, we ended up, you know, playing much better throughout the year. That was probably one of our worst games of the year, but uh, they, they gave us a, a big run for the money. I think Fritz is doing a nice job there. He's, he's done a nice job at other programs. Um, that That's, you know, no matter who starts that game for Wake, it, it's going to be his his first career start at the collegiate level uh, in, in a road game, night game, as you mentioned, even if it's at night, going to be really hot down there uh, in Louisiana. Um, yeah, I, I think – you know, I think we'll get by just based on uh, the overall talent of our offense. And I think, you know, the pieces we'll have coming back on defense. But, you know, I, I think that is a game that's rightfully left out of the uh, the guaranteed wins category for, for sure. And uh, would not be surprised at all if we lost that game. You know, that could decide a bowl berth when we'll yeah, get the schedule. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I'm with you 100%. I mean, you know, as, as you guys just sort of mentioned, you only mentioned a few um, surefire losses, um, a few surefire wins, and then a lot of a lot of toss-ups, and, and we got to find a way to get to six. So uh, that's one where if, if we lose, that, that could make us, you know, probably, you know, probably favored to miss a bowl at that point in the season, losing that, losing that one. I mean, I, I think we could still do it even if we lose that one, but – um, it, it certainly makes our lives a, a lot harder. So definitely a very important to get off to a great start in September. Looking at game number three um, against Boston College, what a great year to get BC at home because I don't know what your opinion is of Boston College, Robert. Uh, Joey and I both think that they might be one of the surprise teams in the ACC this year um, with the talent they're returning and, and A.J. Dillon doing what he's been able to do at running back, if they get literally anything out of the quarterback position, I think Boston College could potentially be an eight or even a nine win team. It's it's kind of crazy to think about, um, you know, best case scenario for Boston College. But what a year to get them at home, because especially now with the Kendall Hinton news, you're not going to have him for game three. You get BC at home. That's another one of the big games on the schedule that not a lot of people are going to be talking about because it's just an early September ACC game. Yeah, that, that's definitely a big one for us. And, you know, our schedule's interesting because we either get bc and syracuse both at home or we get them both on both on the road so um that that's going to be huge for us especially with with the hint news i agree at, at, if we were at bc i would i would hate our chances in that one especially being the third game of the season prior to hint being able to come back and and you know they really got better as the season went along last year as you mentioned dylan is a total stud at running back we ended up beating him uh 
I think 34 or 31 to 10 last year in the second game of the year, but uh, it looks like a blowout, but that was not. I think we only outgained them by about 10 yards in that one. So definitely a, a much closer game. And, 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 you know, they just didn't have the quarterback situation figured out at that point, but um, definitely got, definitely got better as the season went along. And, um, you know, that that's again, a, a pivotal game for us, especially, especially if we lose to Tulane in the opening game. But, um, it, you know, if we start off two and zero, we got some wiggle room, but you know, that that's a program where, you know, that's what Clawson has done so well is, you know, we haven't beaten Clemson. We haven't beaten Florida state. We beat Louisville once last year. Um, but what he's done a really good job of is beating, you know, quote unquote, these these peer schools like Syracuse beating Boston College last year, starting to take care of Duke beating NC State last year. So, um, you know, beat, beating Virginia. So, you know, these are the kind of games we we have to win um, in order to ma- maintain that relevance and in, in that momentum. So th- this is going to be a huge game for us uh, on that Thursday night. I'm really looking forward to the atmosphere. But well, I agree with you. Yeah. BC could be really good this year. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. I interrupted you. Uh, the the thing that I look at here that I think is interesting is if you look at an absolute worst case scenario for Wake Forest through their worst their first seven games, you're probably talking about two and five. You know, so that's a win over Towson, a win over Rice, and then you find a way to lose to Tulane, Boston College, Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State. Right, two and five going into Louisville. The, the good news about that is that those last five games, I don't know if there's any of them that you don't consider winnable, right? You know, at Louisville, home against Syracuse, at NC State, home against Pittsburgh, at Duke, you could be two and five and still make a bowl game at that point. I think this, the, the back end of the schedule gets a lot softer and a lot easier to, to find wins in, even if the first part of the schedule has been uh, a lot more tough sledding, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, in terms of looking at sort of how I see the the season going out, I think, you know, sort of working backwards at Duke, definitely a very, very winnable game for us. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh at home. Um, you know, they, they've been fine under Narduzzi had a, had a nice win over, over Miami last year, but um, they haven't quite, you know, quite taken off as, you know, the early returns at state, you know, we r- routinely struggle in Raleigh, but they have to replace that entire defensive line. Uh, they they do bring Finley back, but fortunately they don't have Hines or Samuel, so def, definitely a winnable game. And then at, at Syracuse, you know, I know you guys were talking about that as you know potentially a surefire win. So I would I would definitely say we have a good chance. And then at Louisville, yeah, huge question marks about that team. Uh, fortunate to well we you know beat them pretty decently last year, but they lose Lamar Jackson, and I know Petrino has done a, a very good job with you know, pretty much every offense he's had. And I, I don't know who their quarterback's supposed to be. Maybe that Jawan Pass guy. I know he's, you know, pretty highly talented player, but I mean, their defense was absolutely awful last year. So, um, and, you know, and they were still just, just okay. So losing a Superman in Lamar Jackson, they, they I agree with you. They could take a major step back um, this year. And I, I don't know the beginning of their year, but that could be one where that, that game means a lot more to Wake than Louisville. So I, I might end up blanking Wake in that spot. So, um yeah, you know, fortunate to get the bye week sort of right in the middle of the season um, again. So that that could, could give us a nice rest. And, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say we would be favored by any stretch of the imagination to make a bowl if we started two and five. But I, I wouldn't rule us out either. Joey, what do you got for a record prediction? Want to take first step? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I, I'm I wouldn't be shocked if. Wake Forest were a straight three and three. You know, we talked about Towson, Rice, Syracuse, and 
Notre Dame, Florida State, uh, Clemson. So my natural inclination probably is to call this like a six and six season, but I've also learned that Dave Clawson is going to probably outperform my expectations most years. So that's where I start to lean seven and five. I think they're going to, they're going to win a couple of games that I'm not super confident that they'll win, you know, and, and they'll take care of business where they're supposed to. And um, I think that's, that's all I got. I think they're going to go seven and five. And, and that's, again, that might be overperforming given what they got on the schedule, what they're trying to replace this year on both sides of the ball. Uh, I'm going seven and five, Mike. I'm going seven and five as well. Um Oof. I think best case though you can get I you know it's if Hinton was playing quarterback the first three games you feel a lot better about saying oh yeah they can go eight and four um, mm-hmm. given that he's not going to be under center for you know the first quarter of their schedule um, it it makes the two lane game and the BC game uh, the BC game was going to be interesting anyway um, it makes the two lane game a lot more interesting it makes that BC game tough but not impossible given that they're at home um so i'm gonna go seven and five just because of the uncertainty in the early part of the schedule um but i think if they had kendall hinton and and you knew what you had a quarterback given the fact that we've seen kendall hinton play before and we know he's capable um i would have felt a lot better about saying oh yeah this team could definitely go eight and four especially given the uncertainty with the teams that they're facing in the back half of the schedule um you know louisville could be primed for a step back uh we know we we know what Syracuse is. Um, if they don't have Eric Dungey, and and look, it's going to be November third. There's a good chance Eric Dungey won't be under center uh, because he always gets hurt sometime in the middle of October. Uh, and, you know that's just what the track record is. So good chance he's not playing quarterback in that game. Even if he is playing quarterback, it might <clears throat> it might not matter. Excuse me. NC State, we don't know what they got um, outside of Ryan Finley. Pitt is complete Jekyll and Hyde. Their defense is terrible, and really the only time that they had any sort of offensive success last year was when Kenny Pickett was under center in the back part of the year, and really we're only going to call that a success because they upset Miami in a game that nobody was expecting them to win. And then you go at Duke at the end of the year. Duke's Duke. Um, that's a that's a seven or eight win program at best. Um, more than likely going to be meddling in that five to eight win range because that's what they do. And I think Wake Forest can can definitely win that game, even though it's on the road. I'm going to go with seven and five just to be safe. Long story short, um, and we'll see what happens. But Robert, what do you think? You're the expert here, you know. Uh, well, that's Congrats. congratulations. That's very, very very polite of you to say. Um, well, guess guess we're all on. I I also had seven and five. Um, you know. It probably won't break down the at the seven I pick. I, I do have a starting uh, four and two with losses to Notre Dame and, and Clemson, but uh, three and three honestly most li- most likely start there with you know BC looking harder and harder by the day, uh, as well as that you know Tulane game unfortunately. So you know I I think we you know even if we don't go seven and five, I, I think we definitely um, you know we'll find a way to get to six and six, get back to ball eligibility for for the third straight year. And I think, you know, the you know the interesting thing about our schedule, and we've already gone over, is you know if if we do lose to a Tulane, provided that we you know we play well, and it turns out Tulane's just a good team, you know I see no reason why we can't make that up with either a quote unquote upset win at Louisville or a win uh, at State and sort of you know get back on schedule. So uh, that definitely going to be a lot of a lot of exciting games. Um, you know, in, in Winston and all throughout the Southeast um, th- this fall and probably a lot of really close and competitive games that come down to the fourth quarter. There you have it. 
at least six and six going bowling in a rebuilding year at Wake Forest is a uh, a tribute to what Dave Clawson has done for our Steam and Deeks uh, in the uh, ACC Atlantic. Robert Reinhard, thank you so much for joining us. Tell them where they uh, tell them where they can find your work. Uh, well, they can follow me on Twitter at Robert underscore Reinhard, and um, you know, occasionally I might start to start to uh, produce some content for Blogger So Dear again. I'll 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 try and get. Uh, a little bit of work out there in the fall and and help my good friend Riley Johnson out who's doing a nice job uh, being the managing editor of the site. Hey, nowhere better for uh, for Wake Forest news than Blogger Sojourn here on the Espionation Network. So go go check them out. Robert, thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you on anytime and uh, good luck to your Steam and Deeks this year. Thanks so much, guys. I always enjoy it. And uh, hopefully uh, Wake's, you know, having a good season in the fall. And you guys want me back to talk about the unbelievable start that we've gotten off to. Hell yeah. <laughs> steam and takes i just tweeted this out steam and takes for the steam and deeks yeah we'll just i like it yeah. absolutely that's and gonna robert, retweet oh yeah robert frankly if you ask us where steam and deeks got its start i'm not really sure either of us could explain it at this point it's been years I, so i i said it and i i had been drinking so <laughs> and we, and we've all been there we've all yeah. we've all been there <laughs> let's and that's how it started there it is. Robert, thank you for joining us. We'll uh, love to have you on again soon. Mike, we got to get out of here. Uh, until next time, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And our guest, Robert Reinhardt, is on Twitter at Robert underscore Reinhardt. Uh, Y'all can find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, Y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yeah. Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. And also, you can come find us on YouTube if you're so inclined uh, and go see what Robert Reinhardt's uh, sweet looking Wake Forest shirt looks like and <laughs> all, all of the above. So come, come check it out. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good, buddy. Let's preview some more teams. We'll have those coming up for you soon. And until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Robert Reinhardt, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.